It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. I'm actually kind of excited. I got the cut, actually, to actually get all three of us at once, not just me waiting for the two of you. So, Trying to get back in the rhythm of things, Kyle. You got to be really quick on that switchboard operator where you talk about actually hiring somebody or a.k.a having someone, because we can't pay anybody, to come over here and do the switcher. But for now, uh, we're relying on Kyle's quick reflexes to get us in the frame. Um, But that said, fellas, it's a little gloomy out today. And why is that? That's because of daylight savings time. And it fell back, and now it's 5 o'clock, and we're all sitting here yawning before the podcast. And I I honestly hate this time of year. And I know, I think this is the last time we're going to be doing this, I heard, right? Uh, we we, we got to go forward. Debatable. I thought we were going to go forward once, and then the, that was it. Uh, so the Senate voted unanimously that they were going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, do away with it. But I heard it's got installed in the House, so it may or may not actually ever get done. Can we just agree on like one thing for once? And this is like unanimous. Like, come on, like let's just get rid of it. So yeah, there's not much we can agree on except for you know daylight savings time. I uh, told my wife yesterday. I think I told you as well, Daniel, that. It seems like, you know, daylight savings times is all like happiness and joy. Then it's like as soon as a fall forward or fall back hits, it's gloom and depression because you're like, like today, looking outside, I work from home today. It's like 4.30, we're having dinner, 5 o'clock. I'm like, it feels like it should be 9 o'clock and I don't know what's wrong with my life all of a sudden. I just feel like I want to go to bed. But anyway, so there has been some hockey stuff going on this week and we should get right into it. And, you know, we'll talk about the first thing that's off the presses right now. And that is the Boston situation with, uh, what was his name, Daniel? Uh, that'd be Mitchell, what was it? Mitchell Miller. See, I didn't even know the scrub before this, but I had to do a little digging and backstory where apparently Arizona had drafted him and then uh, some bullying uh, came to light where he was, I guess, picking on, sort of severely picking on a mentally challenged person. Um, and then Arizona ended up revoking the draft pick uh, from what I uh, can gather from the research there. So they did kind of like the unprecedented thing back in the day and kind of cut them off. And then uh, this week, for whatever reason, Boston decided to try to re-sign him because apparently he was eligible, which we'll get to that in a minute. And uh, I guess they didn't really talk to the team either because all of a sudden he starts showing up in the locker room saying, hey, uh, what do you think about this guy? And they're like, really? What, what's going on? And then they're like, oh, well, we're signing him. And personally, I don't really understand why because Boston's clicking on all cylinders. They're literally the best in the league right now. I mean, they're absolutely destroying it. So uh, I don't know why you would kind of throw in controversy into a locker room that already has such great chemistry. So I don't really understand this. And uh, Matt, I think you knew a little bit more about the Batman side of things, which kind of shut some stuff down this week, correct? Yeah. So the first news I heard of it, I was watching some 
player interviews in the Boston locker room, and they were interviewing Marchan and these folks and, and saying, talking about this kid and whether or not he was a good fit for the culture of the team. And the players all in large kind of agreed that, you know, wasn't really a great look for Boston. We don't really want to support that, those kind of players, you know. Uh, but the deal was it wasn't just about the is it a good fit culturally. Bettman had a press conference that day or the next day, I can't remember, and he said, uh, you know, he's not eligible based on where the league is. And he said, based on how it transpired with Arizona and the pick, how it landed, that he's ineligible to play. And that wasn't just a stance based on the morality of picking a guy like that to put in the league. It was based on league eligibility and what they view as and he was like we don't know if he'll ever be eligible and it wasn't just because we need to try to flush him out as a person first it was just all an eligibility so it seems ineligible it seems that teams and players don't want him on the team so it's unfortunate you know uh but it is what it is yeah i know he has since come out and apologized for some of the actions and whatnot and i i fully get that but uh, it just seemed really like a strange move by Boston to begin with. I mean, they're sitting here at a .833 record. The only team that is above them right now is Vegas, which I think that was they passed them last night or something. I I may have misspoke earlier when they were I was saying the best in the league, but I mean they're up there. Um, so uh, yeah, not a good look for Boston. Don't really want to change up some stuff, but. Uh, kind of glad just, you know, the league actually made a ruling on this. So you kind of have a cut and dry situation. There's no like black and white on this because, you know, here recently the league has had uh, some interesting moments, especially with like the Blackhawks and all the other turmoil that we've had and controversies uh, going on. So uh, glad this one's kind of cut and dry and it seems like we're going to be moving on from this one really quick. I will say that before we move on, it seems like, I would be a better PR person than half these teams that have for the PR because, you know, it's like you said, the Chicago thing last year, Boston this year, at one point, you know, the people go, Hey, we're paying these guys all this money to basically say, put us in the best foot forward and we're going to listen to their bias and we're going to go, nah, we know better. We know better. Okay, cool. And then they're like, shocker. You tell me somebody's upset about this. How could we have foreseen this? Well, maybe that's what your PR people are for to help you guys get out in front of this. But Anyways, moving on. So the Ottawa Senators are for sale. And uh, I think it's kind of hilarious that this franchise, which seems to be like, you know, just being run into the ground, is for sale. Of course, you know, Eugene Melnick passed away. Seems to be that his family wants out of the hockey business and um, came out on November 1st that the Ottawa Senators were for sale. There is a sports company called Galatioti. I think that's the best I can do. Sports Partners based out in New York. And they valued the team, Sportico said the team was valued at $655 million, which you're thinking, that seems like a lot. Then you compare that with the Penguins sold in 2021 for $900 million. And then the Preds are for sale with the ownership group, like not being sold to move, but just the stakes are being sold at $775 million. And a condition of the sale dictates that Ottawa remains in Ottawa, which I think is you know, okay, cool, because everyone's like, well, here's Houston. Houston's going to be calling. But before I give it to you guys, I think the best point of this is that uh, our favorite uh, Deadpool guy um, basically came out and said, hey, I'll buy the team, which I think would be great. And if they do, rename it to be the Ottawa Deadpools. So, Daniel? Yeah, so Ryan Reynolds did throw his hat in the ring, which I thought was kind of uh, uh, nice. He is Canadian and very beloved in Canada. So, um Honestly, he's a wizard with marketing. 
So he already part owns a sport team, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. He owns like a low level club in England, like uh, for a Premier League. Well, not English Premier League, but very low level. And he took them from nothing. And that team is built up to actually like a halfway decent team. And he has a crazy good marketing scheme with it. And now they're like packed out every single game. It's it's absolutely incredible what he can do marketing wise. So I'm actually kind of interested and would be hopeful that he would buy them. Um, first off, though, for a Canadian team, I feel like this is a very low number, especially in a Canadian market. I, they're underneath the Preds now. So that is a little telling about how far the Ottawa Senators have fallen from grace as far as some of their other competitors, because I believe the Maple Leafs are number one on the list from, from Politico, correct? I think it was like $2.1 billion. Very likely, yeah. yeah. So they are a bargain in the Canadian sports market. And I, you know, people like Ryan Reynolds are eyeing that, thinking, you know, this is a good chance for me to come in here and actually rebrand it and actually like turn them around. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of here for it. But uh, yeah, the fact that they're underneath the Preds and it's a Canadian team, kind of shocking to me. Well, I think the price is okay. I mean, <clears throat> what would you expect them to be? We're, we're glad to, you know, the stipulation is that the team stays in Ottawa. I love it because it's been the classic hockey spot. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're no Toronto. I, what'd you expect? Yeah, of course. They are at a big discount. Their franchise is kind of hurting the last few years. They're woeing. In fact, you know, the rumors were, were they even going to stay in Ottawa a couple of years ago? So I'm, I'm very happy that the team will stay in Ottawa. I think the price is reflected in maybe the culture there and how it's kind of 50-50 of we maybe could sell and go to, say, Houston or somewhere else where we maybe could stay. Uh, if there was like an all-in effort that, no, we need to stay here, I think the price would be higher. But I think it's reflected in, in the state of how it is there. I also love the idea of a celebrity uh, being in the ownership because it adds a fresh face to really was an old dusty town and, and dusty, sleepy team. So NHL is all about branding and marketing lately and growing the game to a younger generation. So it's not good to just be a gatekeeper and say it has to be the old old gray hair is here in Ottawa. When you get some new faces and some new branding behind it, you can open up doors and marketing. And they just have, they have a touch on the pulse of the young people. And it's exciting. It, it breathes an excitement and a life into, into a situation that desperately needs a breath of fresh air. So I'm just looking at like this cool like interactive chart on, um, on I guess this is Politico or Sports, Sportico, where we're at, Sportico. Um, Politico's off branch, and it looks like that the Arizona Coyotes are valued at like five hundred million, so pretty low on the list. Uh, Ottawa is the fourth lowest team. The only teams lower than them would be Columbus, the Panthers, which are shocking given their recent success, and then obviously the Arizona Coyotes, who I don't know how they're making money, and apparently they lose money every year, but they're still valued at five hundred million dollars. So. Good tax write-offs, I guess, for whoever. I can tell you actually about how that works. So just my little foray into the economic situation, how the NHL teams are, I believe, and somebody can correct me if I am wrong, but it's the top half of the teams split their profits with the bottom half teams. So that's how Arizona has been able to stay in the market for so long because they're basically bottom feeding off other teams that are doing well. So you're looking at, you know, Toronto, you said $2.1 billion dollars. Some of that revenue that they're generating every year is going to the is going to like the Panthers and the Coyotes, all split evenly across the board, so that every team does it. And of course, I know that probably changes every year here and there. But you've got teams consistent like Toronto, Boston, 
and uh, you know, other teams that will just constantly be here, take some of our proceeds because you know we want to keep you guys around. But yeah, they they have a word for that. I don't remember what they call it, but I remember this was a situation last year. I remember specifically Marshan was was chirping at somebody. Uh, and a lower team about that exact same situation, how we basically pay for your bill. And, th- and that was exactly his point he was saying. Yeah, and correction, they're only worth 410 million <laughs> coyotes. They're like 100 million lower than the next lowest team. So very interesting to see how you know that all pans out. But we'll be interested to see what the final price will be uh, and see who wants to actually pick it up. I think it will have to be probably a, a group of people. I don't know if Ryan Reynolds can personally fund that himself. I don't think so. So he could, he wouldn't. So I think it'll be probably some conglomerate group that uh, ends up taking that over. So, well, I think we should all get our bids in there too. You know, Matt, I know your rich money bags up here. You can loan me some money. Oh yeah. You got it. Hey, you still owe me like probably five bucks from every year when we do our playoff bracket, Mr. Never pays up. Hey, you know, I'm good for it. I'll take care of it. Where, where's my, uh, my actual nice, uh, trophy for winning the bracket this year. That's right. We need to get one of those out too. I made a. Uh, I made Chelsea a losers. Uh, I forget the name. It was like a losers award. I need to get us like an actual one that goes on the wall that has a list because we've been we've got now quite a few under our belt. But well, yes. you know, you gave out the one f- yes. for the first year, so we have to keep going on the tradition. That's so true. that is I, also true. I did win this year, by the way. Don't want to brag too much, but Not a big deal. it was a very low expectation on our brackets too. So it still wasn't a glamorous year, even on my bracket. It was a, a bloodbath. So. Well, I will tell you guys one team we may be adding into our brackets this year that we've not done in probably the last six years we've been doing this show, and that is the New Jersey Devils. I actually had to look up when was the last time they made the playoffs, and the last time that they made the playoffs was the 2017-2018 season with a first-round loss to Tampa. However, right now, currently, they lead the Metro with 18 points. They've got a 9-3-0 record, and the last time that they finished their division fourth or higher, was in 2012, and that was when they were in the Atlantic. So it's been right at 10 years since they have been doing this well. And, you know, maybe, you know, people think, you know, they brought Subin in to try to get some help. Didn't work. Subin's gone. You got people like Jesper Bratt, who's had five goals and 12 assists. Nico Heischer's got five goals and 12 assists as well. Then Jack Hughes, four goals and uh, eight assists. They lead their, their top three, lead them in points. And, you know, guys, what do you think? Are we going to see them possibly make a run for the Cup this year? So the Devils did a full rebuild. They really tanked the last couple years. And guess what? You're starting to see the fruits of their labor. Uh, I mean, all these players that you're talking about right there are young players that are just absolutely lighting it up and getting on the board every night consistently. Uh, They have decent goaltending this year. It's going to be very interesting um, to see where they actually end up in the Metro I do think they cool off a little bit, but honestly, at this point, if they can keep this pace up, they are definitely going to make the playoffs this year. And I believe the last time that they were in the playoffs, Kyle, uh, was under Coach Hines, by the way. Uh, you might have to correct me if if I'm wrong on that, uh, but if you look up Hines' record, I think it was the New Jersey Devils where they had that first-round loss. But uh, going to be interesting to see how they play out the rest of the year. So, uh, But they have come out swinging, and they are super hot right now. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that you said the last time they made the playoffs was 2017. I thought it was going to be earlier than that, way earlier than that, actually. Uh, but 
yeah, definitely didn't see them coming. This has been actually a theme this year. There's been a couple teams that are coming out really hot in the gate. I know it's still early, but it's at least nice and a breath of fresh air to see these teams that have been traditionally struggling coming out, getting some fire under them, getting a little bit of the fan base juiced up, you know, get them talking, get them rowdy. So great news for the Devils right there. Well, let's talk about another team that's you know making a splash, and that's your Detroit Red Wings, which I'm surprised you're wearing a Panthers jersey tonight because – I would think as well they're doing, you would actually be wearing a uh, Red Wings. So, I mean, you know, they're second in Atlantic right now. I don't know if they're playing tonight, which is Monday, but they got a 7-3-2 record. And, you know, they have also haven't made the playoffs since uh, 2016, 2017. And so, Matt, since you're our resident Red Wings expert, is this the year? Are they going to host the Cup? Um, host the Cup? <laughs> I, I don't know. That might be a long shot, but, yes, coming out very strong, Kyle. Nadelkovich has been standing on his head for us. He's been putting on a clinic, honestly. We've we've been doing we've been smoking it lately. So this goes back to the trade that when it happened, we were wondering why in the world the Canes did it. Because I even said I was like, why? He's such a good young goaltender. You're just giving him away for basically peanuts. And I always thought that was going to benefit the Red Wings long term. And it's already here. And you got some studs. Uh, rookie rookie defensemen that are coming up and they're getting better. So defensive-wise, I mean, the Red Wings are going to be looking really good. If Ned keeps this up now, he's really hot right now. You expect that to cool down a little bit and you'll be somewhere in the middle. I don't expect you to be like leading the division, but I think it is going to be very close to getting into the playoffs, and this could be the year that they actually make it uh, back to the playoffs um, just because of how hot this start has been. And like you said, you know, this is – this is the time to start putting up points because other teams are going to start figuring it out as the, the year goes on. So build yourself a little bank right now, and we'll see where it falls towards the end. But I, I honestly think it's going to be real close, and they could definitely squeak in this year. I'll tell you, if they make the playoffs, I'm definitely going to Detroit to, to watch the game, no doubt. I haven't been to Little Caesars yet, so it's happening, baby. So if they make the playoffs this year, is it going to be a you guys year or a um, we year? It's gonna it's just gonna be a you guys year, Kyle. I haven't seen enough from the Preds yet to to get me on board the bandwagon for this season. But you know, uh, I'm a tough shoulder to turn, so you gotta you gotta really sweeten the pot with some goals and and do a little bit better, and then we'll talk about putting it a wee. So, well, I mean, we're looking at this. 2016, 2017 was the last time that the Red Wings were in the playoffs, correct? So, since we've been doing this show. We have not had the Red Wings and the Predators in the playoffs at the same time, which is kind of like depressing because, like, you know, back in the day it was more of a heated rivalry when it was in the division. So uh, it just is what it is now. But it would be kind of cool eventually one day for us to get a Red Wings Predators matchup in the playoffs. So we could actually go to, we could go to, we could go to like home games here and away games. That would be great. We can go get some pizza in Detroit, baby. Detroit's also like the home of pizza. Now, if you didn't know, they, they rank the number one city in America for pizza, by the way, screw Chicago and screw New York. It's all about Detroit, baby. No, 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 no. You're missing Italy's home of pizza. That's true. It was the birth, the birthplace of pizza. But yeah, I would love for a series like that to happen eventually to where we could actually go back and forth and, and get some nice road games in. That would be really fun. I will say if we do, if the Red Wings do make the playoffs, your wife is going to be insufferable. <laughs> I don't know who's going to be worse, you or her. Oh, me, Kyle. You know I'm going to rub it in so, so much. She won't know any of the players' names, though. Yeah, but she'll have every one of their jerseys. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's 100% accurate. Big question, though, is does she listen to this show or not? No, Kyle. So you're safe right there. Yes, right. My wife does. So if she's listening, Chelsea, do not tell his wife <laughs> at all. 
So let's move on to the Preds, since that is you know the main focus of this show. So it's been five games since we last recorded, and um, we'll go over what the last season rankings were. Not last season, but the previous recording season rankings were. So last time we recorded, the Preds were 24th in the league. That has not changed. They are still 24th. Last time we recorded in the conference, they were 9th. Now they are 11th. Last time we recorded in the division, they were 5th. They have fallen to 6th. And the previous record they had was 2-4-1, which was a .357. And they are now at a 5-6-1, which is a .458. So our Preds in the top 5 points are Philip Forsberg. 12 points, 4 goals, 8 assists in 12 games. With Matt Duchesne, 11 points, 3 goals, 8 assists in 12 games. Mikhail Granlin has fallen to 3rd. 10 points, 1 goal, 9 assists in 12 games. He's back on the assist machine, which I think he needs to stay in the center, and we'll talk about that later. Nino Niederreiter has got 8 points with 6 goals and 2 assists six in 12 goals, games. baby. That's that's great pickup. And you got Ryan Johansson with 7 goals, four uh, sorry, seven points, 4 goals, 3 assists in 12 games. UC Serral sits at a 9.04 save percentage, 2.36 goals against in, um, sorry, 9 games. Kevin Lankinen has got a 9.33 save percentage for a 3.12 goals assist, uh, goals against in 9 games. What? In He's three played games. 9 games? 3 games. That was a typo. 3 games. Typo on the thing. I got it backwards. That's why I was having to like, ah, uh, messing up here. But anyways, so like I said, it's been 5 games since we've went through. And the first game that we've got is St. Louis. So this is the game that broke our five-game losing streak. Big thing to notice, it was a 6-2 win. And shockingly, Tolvanen and Sherwood were scratched. Sherwood I was okay with, Tolvanen I was not. And so we'll start with this. And I've seen the conversation happen quite a bit lately, is that has Tolvanen reached his ceiling? You know he's in the KHL. He was tearing it up. We were like, this guy's amazing. We get over here, talk to him. No, sorry, no, talk to him. He gets over here and plays. And it seems like he just cannot find a home with either Laviette or Hines or find a line. And we've seen him bench for several games. So uh, who wants to take this first, Matt or Daniel? Yeah. So, oh, man. I don't even know where to begin with this because it is a little frustrating because we had been going through this whole stretch where offensively we've been challenged, but he keeps scratching Tolvanen and putting in younger scrubs, really, into the lineup that were more or less experiments. Like Sherwood was making it in there a bit. Uh, I know Cody, uh, it was a glass, Cody Glass, has also been thrown in the mix a little bit. But Tolvanen, for whatever reason, has been scratched several games now. And it, it's it's very frustrating to me because I know with like Glass, he had like to sit down with him after he, he benched him that one time and he had a conversation with him about like handling the pressure and all this stuff. But like Tolvanen has proven and like some of his analytics too, like he's really good defensively. He's very responsible defensively. He's been more physical. So I don't quite understand why he was doing that and then doing the Sherwood um, kind of experiment, which by the way, newsflash and spoiler alert did not work out because we put him on waivers and then he ends up clearing and then going back to Milwaukee and then we end up calling others up so the Sherwood experiment was totally hosed basically from the start and then on top of that too there's been some other stuff and we can talk about this later about restructuring that they just did recently that has helped the Preds the last several games because it was still rough and like I said we're kind of clawing our way back into it now but 
Um, they they've made some other changes, but this this Blues game was a solid answer. Um, the the Blues are also on a really terrible skid right now too. Um, they they I think they're at the bottom of the I think the Coyotes are higher than the Blues right now. I think point percentage wise, yes they are. they are. They are they have three more points and they are point uh, three three right now uh, win percentage wise for the Blues. So they are struggling. Well, back to my boy Tolvin for a second. I haven't mentioned him yet much this year because really there's nothing to talk about because he kept getting scratched. So I'm I'm along with you, Daniel. I don't know what it is, especially at the start of the year. If you're going to mix up the rosters, mix them up. Mix them up with the guys who you know have talent. I view Tolvin as basically a, a Patrick Line in training. So you know he can score. He's got monumental talent in the KHL guys you put guys like Sherwood and Cody Glass in in the roster and they you know they're fine but they might be more consistent but if you ask me give me the guy who I know has more upside because if I can get a guy that snipes like Patrick Laine okay it might take a little bit of work and development to get him to that level but I know he has a higher ceiling so the first of the season is the best and most ideal time to slot him in, get that rhythm going, see, just try some try some change-ups in the roster, try something to see if something can click and help him excel because you're all about player development, Coach Hines. So great opportunity for my boy. Matt, what has been struggling this year for the Predators? Uh, let me guess, uh, the power play, which Tolvin is like, that's his spot. Like, he has a great shot. That's like his specialty. Like, yeah. you want to put him in those positions to be able to score those goals and actually have the opportunity to do that. And he can't do that if he's scratched and on the bench. Last year, I believe he was on power play unit number two. So what was happening is last year, the top unit was just on a tear. That was like Duchesne, Forsberg, Yossi, Ryan Johansson. I think, you know, like they were absolutely killing it last year. Well, we still had a dangerous threat on the second line last year because we also had people like Tolvanen on that second unit. You don't have that now. You're taking that out, like out of the equation. And even when there was an injury, you would still put like Forsberg on one wing and Tolvanen on the other. Well, who are you going to guard? You have two people that have incredible wrist shots. So it, it created a, like a matchup problem. I, I don't really understand why he's still out. I, I, I really don't get it because he has proven himself to um, – to basically be defensively responsible, to be that two-way player that Hines likes. He said that I don't know how many times, and he now is that person, but he keeps scratching him. Uh, I mean, he was scratched for this Blues game, which we ended up winning, which didn't help because guess what? If the lineup was such, then normally he's going to keep said lineup for the next game, and then we get hosed by the Capitals. 3-0, by the way. So I, I don't get it. Yeah, the Capitals game was the first time we've been shut out all season. And um, I don't know why I didn't recognize that. For some reason, I thought it had been earlier. We'd gotten at least one more where we'd been shut out before. But one of the interesting thing on here is that the Preds had five power play opportunities, got zero. Now, to be fair, the penalty kill did their job, took the three shorthand chances away. But this game, besides Ovechkin scoring a goal, I will say I was actually kind of bored this game. There was just nothing going on. Players weren't exciting. It was just one thing after another. We saw the same lineup as last time. And, you know, we'll talk about later after this after this game is when we start seeing lineup changes. But, again, Tolvanen, Sherwood were scratched. And, you know, do you guys have anything to add on this game before we move on to the next one, which was the blowout by the Oilers? 
Not really. It was just kind of a snooze fest the entire time. Honestly, I was kind of back and forth. I was doing some house chores and just watching them kind of waste away the game. They had nothing going offensively. The only difference going into this next game, which we're going to talk about, is Tovenin was reinserted in the lineup, but it made no difference because guess who is on the other team? McDavid and Dreisaitl, and Dreisaitl owns the Preds, and McDavid came to play this night. They were flying everywhere. And, of course, for whatever reason, they guess I just decided not to guard Kane, like, at all in the first. So I don't know what that was about, but just let him walk in. I think he had two goals just in the first and then eventually scored the hat trick, I think, at the very end. So, oh, it's such a bad game. And then, once again, like, you're struggling on the, uh, you know, uh, on the other side, but... You know, we kind of actually got two goals. I think we got two power play goals that game, correct? Yeah. So we actually were able to to move some uh, in the better direction for the power play, at least. But once again, when you're taking all these penalties and you have six six penalty kills against the hot, hot power play of the Oilers, you're going to get hosed. And once again, like they scrapped back a little bit and were able to pull it to like only a 7-4 loss to make it a little bit more respectable. Only a three-point game, but still not not very good night. Not very good showing. They look like they were standing still on the ice for most of the goals. Yeah, I think it was the point. When I see hats being thrown on the ice for Evander Kane, that's when I change the channel. Uh, that's where I draw the line. But, I mean, what did you expect? You knew you were probably not going to outshoot an offensive juggernaut team on the road in their barn. But I tell you what, let's let's look at something positive here, Dan. We got two power play goals. That's just what we were griping about. So even if you can't put a full 60-minute brand of hockey on the ice, let's focus on one thing in practice and let's get better at one thing. Power play, great. Two goals, excellent. Let's, let's take that momentum and let's move it forward to the next game. Well, speaking of 60-minute games... What happened the next game? Full 60 minutes of play. This was by far the best game the Preds have had all season. I don't know if you got to watch some of this, yes. the Flames game. They were more physical. They looked good on the power play. It looked like they were actually taking those shots instead of trying to be too fancy. Like Yossi's goal, it was great. He It was a swing like on a, on a cycle. He got it, collected it, fires it, Forsberg's in perfect position in front of the net for the screen, it goes straight in. That's what they need. They don't need to be too cute, don't need to be fancy. It just started clicking. And like that was with a backup goalie, too. I mean, like, that was an incredible win against a very good Flames team who is, like, you know, start of the year, you're talking, like, high cup chances. You know, they, they have them rated really high. Um, that said... Solid, solid game from the Preds. Full 60 minutes. That's what you like to see. Now we're starting to move in the right direction. But I want to go back to the Oilers real quick because what was the big difference between the Oilers game and the Flames game? Because the Oilers are built for speed. They're fast. You have Dreisaitl. You've got McDavid. One thing I noted in the notes here was that we only held the lead for three minutes and 40 seconds. That was after Elkholm scored that goal 34 seconds in, which appeared to be just a total fluke. He was in front of the net, got it. But then you've got Kane and McDavid. And like you said, Daniel, it looked like they were slogging. They were just standing still. Somebody on Twitter brought up a really good point, And something I think that, you know, GMDP and the management should consider is the fact that is our team actually built to compete? Because, 
Carolina smokes us because they're a fast team. Colorado, who won the playoffs last year, smoked us because they're a fast team. And it seems like Smashville leans a little too much into the whole smash aspect, which, to be fair, has good indications. Like the uh, Canucks game we'll talk about later. That was one where we were actually able to throw the body around, get the identity back, and pull a, a gritty win out. But that doesn't work against a lot of teams because it seems like most teams are moving towards a skill and speed and it seems like we're kind of in the past so i mean the way the team is built are we made for a championship caliber team and okay dan so one of the main things that was changed defensively for the preds at the beginning of the season we kind of alluded to this and i don't know if we specifically talked about it but was when mcdonough came on ekholm actually had to swap sides um, they swapped him over. I th- I can't remember if he was right and he had to swap to left or if he was left and he had to swap to right. But whatever the, the reason was is they were favoring McDonough coming in and giving it to his side. So Ekholm was the one that had to change his game and it throws you off completely. And guess what? I think I read, uh, I think it was tonight or something, that they have begun to swap him back. And basically, that's why McDonough and he have not been paired together for all the games. Can you pull up the pairings for some of these games, too, for as far as the uh, the um, the defense? I, I'm trying to remember. So Calgary, it was uh, Ekholm and Carrier, and McDonough was not there. So what about for... This is Edmonton. Edmonton. So, yeah, th- they started to to walk this back because earlier in the season they liked that pairing and then they were like, nope, we're not doing it anymore. Basically they broke them up because eventually from the start of the year, you knew it was going to be Yossi and somebody. And then basically Ekholm and McDonough as the second pair, they're not doing that anymore. Everything is more evenly spread and they moved him back to his correct side. So I think that will help him get more comfortable. And I really don't know why they did that to start because that that's probably been in the scouting report for people, but finally, like you know, I, I like this distribution of having everyone kind of even, and you have somebody that is basically like a veteran on w- each of your pairings. So that way, you're not going to get hosed on you know whatever, and Ekholm gets more comfortable back in his position again because basically he had to unlearn what he he had already built up his entire career, and now he's thrown back into his uh, original position. So I, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for Ekholm to actually gel and get back into the groove of things. Um, and we can talk about some of the other call-ups too that we've had, which have been huge. But um, yeah, so I, I think that was the wrong choice to start the season. And we're now starting to see our win percentage come back up, by the way. I, I think it's interesting, you know, you basically have three monster lefts. Yossi, Ekholm, and McDonough. But that leaves you pairing with Gross, Carrier, and Lazon. Yeah, on the right. So the traditionally, the Preds used to really stack lines one and two and just let the third pairing just fall, whatever. Yes. Just, that was the weakest part of the team. But one and two pairings were great. And they had that because now you can put on your PK, you put your, your top two defensemen. The problem with having all the best left, it's they're not interchangeable, like you said, Dan. It definitely throws Ekholm off to go to the right. But the issue that you have all of your good players, your top liners on the left side, is they can't all be on the top line. And the real negative I see to this in the future is that when you guys are on the PK, you can't put two great defensemen on the ice. You have to pick a veteran and then a rookie. That could be exploited for sure. So that is at least something different that the Preds are not used to. They're going to have to learn to adapt to in the future. 
well, they've done this and they've spread it out. And in the past five games, you're 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 batting, you know, three wins. So you're at like a point six win percentage and comparative like we started off like a point three five, you know, like obviously you're trending in a much better direction. Um but the, they're they're trending in the better direction, but yet it seems the Preds actually went down in the central. Yeah, so because that's that. because everybody was winning. I know. I just it, thought that was humorous. Yeah, it, it it is humorous because literally everyone won this week. Um, pretty much almost all their games. So that was a uh, very interesting. The central once again is just going to be super stacked, and you know they can't dig themselves a hole or continue to dig themselves a hole at this point and expect to make the playoffs. But nevertheless, the Flames was a huge win. Um, and then kind of what Kyle was alluding to is like they were still able to play that physical game and they kind of toughed it out for the Canucks. So this game did not start off good. Oh, it did not. Uh, I think I tuned in at the end towards the end of the third or the first and it was 3-0 in the first and we had like three shots on goal. It, it was abysmal. But interesting note, um, we called up first-timer defenseman Jordan Gross. Uh, from Milwaukee, who had been lighting it up and and tearing it up in the uh, the AHL. So, what happens naturally, of course, when we pull somebody up, he scores a goal. He actually scored two goals on the night. Um, now, that said, he did have a blunder which caused a goal, so he didn't make up for it with two. But he is a rookie. I'm whatever about it. But he he is very much a um, puck moving defenseman. And it was very interesting. I think they, what did they put him on? They put him with Yossi, which I thought was very interesting because both of them are going to want to move it together and they're going to want to start cycling and stuff. And they like having that speed aspect and to play both ways. And sure enough, he ends up with two goals on the night. Um, But that was in place of Browicki, who's still slightly injured, I think, from that really traumatic um, incident where he ran into the board or got boarded. So, you know, hopefully, once again, he will be back in the lineup very soon. But, man, Jordan comes up. It, this is a promising sign for a young defenseman that who, who's been basically getting groomed in Milwaukee. Um, I think he might stay here a little longer. Yeah, he probably will. One thing I liked on his goals was that one of his goals came off the power play two unit, which so, though, like we said earlier, that's the unit that kind of needs the help. So if Burrowicki comes back, I can see Burrowicki being the seventh defenseman and sitting and letting the young guy come up and actually, because I like Burrow, great name, because, you know, it's Murfreesboro, Burrow, all that fun stuff, area, everybody loves it. Burrow cop, baby. Exactly, but, you know, as much as we like Burrow Wiki, I'd rather have a young defenseman who can score goals, move the puck, and especially he's playing with Yossi, he's going to learn a lot from this guy. And, you know, I don't see a reason to put Burrow back when he gets in, so... Matt? Well, you know, the interesting part we talked about a couple of minutes ago, it's almost like an identity move for the Preds because we mentioned how like Colorado and Edmonton are fast teams, they're young teams, and that's what's winning right now. That's the trend in the league. But Burrow represents that rough and tumble Smashville style hockey that the Preds have been putting on the ice, which I love. I think that drives fans to, to the arena. But it's almost like an identity crisis of, well, here's our brand of hockey, Burrow, but yet we kind of need to get faster, so we might want to sub him out for, for this new kid in the AHL, and we're going younger as well. So it's it's an interesting move the Preds are doing going forward. Well, when Burrowicki comes back, you can still keep him as the seventh, and if the game is against a team that is more physical, like the Flames or the Canucks, you can sub him in and take 
Jordan out. Like that's not a problem. But that said, I mean, Gross has shown more upside than even what Fabro has been doing too. And Hines is on record recently for saying that Fabro needs to step up too because he's been in the lineup for a while and he has not produced at the level that they thought he was going to because we were very high on him several years ago and he just like offensively he hasn't really panned out defensively he's been meh I I would argue so kind of interesting but uh, I think the funniest part about this is the Preds actually did come back to win this game so they kind of chipped away played that greasy game like Kyle was, was saying but then uh, it went to shootout. And did you guys see the final shootout goal? Oh, oh my yes, goodness. Yes. Bo Hovart. What a noob. <laughs> you get paid all that money and you lose oh, the puck on a shootout. You, you think you could skate out there and do any of that? But it was it was quite comical because like he just it almost looked like he just left it. And yeah. he just kind of skated over and was just like, oh man. And like Sars just goes out and just goes just one little dink and keeps walking like he just keeps walking right off into the sunset and i'm just like well that was underwhelming because you're expecting something you know so uh kind of a anticlimactic way to end the game but nevertheless they won they're gonna have to change his name some people call him bo scorvat and they're going to call him bo i left the puck behind me (laughs) yeah it was it, it was not a good look for them but the canucks have been kind of in the in the dump this year so i can't say much because the preds were there for a little bit but it seems that you know we are trending upward um just a little bit there but uh yeah not a good look well it makes also i want to add it seems like we've got our defensive parents all solidified for the first time in years but now it leads to an issue with our second and fourth lines because of all the lines that have been changing the last five games and since beginning the season it seems like line one is always a mixture of Forsberg, Granlin, and Duchesne. Line three is always Trennan, Sissons, and Janot. That's a herd line. You don't mess with that. And it seems like the lines where, if we don't know where to put you at, is our second line and our fourth line, when traditionally it's your top two lines, which are your most solid, and your bottom two, which are the ones that are fluctuating more. And like we said with um, Tolvanen, has he reached the ceiling? Fabro, the question has been, has Fabro reached his ceiling? So even if we continue the upward trajectory. I don't know if we don't get our lines fixed in our offensive, because that's a big sticking point is that we struggled out the gate offensively with our big names. And, you know, do we get a fix? Because if everybody usually kind of takes Thanksgiving, that's the quarter mark of the season. By this point, you kind of, you already know who your top teams are. You know, who your bottom teams are, your middle teams are. And generally, wherever you stand around Thanksgiving is kind of where you're going to spend the rest of the season. And as Daniel alluded to, Fred's got a hole. Teams are winning. Teams like Dallas are killing it. Uh, you know, teams like Vegas are killing it. Even Seattle, who that we're playing on uh, Tuesday, tomorrow night, are doing very well. So, you know, I don't want these games where it's like we do one or two glimpses of like, oh, there's a team. And then we spend three or four games in the hole. Because at that point, by December, we already know we're going to be on the golf course. Well, going back to the line blender stuff that's been happening, um, moving Granlin back to center, obviously, right decision. He, he's an assist machine. Last year, he was killing it assist-wise. Um, so moving him back, good call. Uh, but if you're looking at the lines from even this last game where we won against the Canucks, why is Sanford in over Tolvanen on the second second line? Seriously? 
Like, what has he done to prove that he has a higher offensive upside or even defensive upside, I might add, than Tolvanen? That doesn't make any sense. Or Glass. Glass has shown that he can actually play really well. Now, he's made a few dumb mistakes, but you need to put him in there and let him develop. You, yeah. you, you, you see the upside of both of those, and I, I don't understand why they're out. Carrier was actually scratched in the last one, which is bizarre to me because I feel like he would be better than Lazan, but who knows? I, I think they were just wanting a little bit of extra oomph in that bottom third pair for the defense, but Carrier needs to step up for sure, get reinserted back in the lineup. Um, but yeah, as far as the line blender stuff, you got to get Tolvanen and Glass back in the game. Like, you, you, need, to, you need to bench Smith and Samford, for sure. I, I They've done nothing. I, I am curious. Um, you know, I've never heard of Sanford. I knew about Tolvanen when he was in the KHL. I knew about Cody Glass when he played for VGK and they were kicking some butt. So how are these two people getting cut all the time in favor of a guy I've never heard of? Because Cody Glass did great for Vegas. I mean, he wasn't a first-line guy, but like I knew about him. I knew his name. I know Tolvanen's name from his highlights in the KHL. So my question is, I wonder if it's just the Preds system. We talked about it, you know, four or five years ago. Is there something with the Preds system that we're killing our talent? I wonder if you took these two players and put them on jersey right now, if they're lighting it up on the second and third lines. Um, Because we know they've got it. We know they've got the upside. What is it about what we're doing that's just not gelling with our young talent? Guess who's also in Milwaukee? Tomasino. Evangelista. I like. I, I don't know how to put. Like, y- you need goals. Like, we, you need goals. I, I don't understand why you have Samford and Smith. If you want to move towards a faster, more flashy style play, then you have to be able to willing to compromise some of that, and you need to bring Tomasino back. You're you're talking someone who spent like how many games did Tomasino play? Can you pull up that? Like, try to find that last year for the Preds, because you can probably find that real quick. I think it was a significant amount of games that he played. Um, I, I don't understand that like at all. Like you're putting in HL level talent over somebody. And by the way, Tomasino is lighting. He played 70. Is that right? 76 games for the Preds last year. Yes. He only had nine in the AHL. So he played 76 games in our system and then we're favoring him like our, our newbies over him. And then basically, by the way, like I think he scored again last night from Milwaukee. Like, and I understand that he struggles a little bit with some of the, like, more developmental side of stuff. Like, oh, we want him to be more careful with this and stuff. But he clearly has a higher offensive upside, too. I, I And you've spent more time developing him. Yes. You've already put him in for 76 games. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand that. So, like, to my point, Samford, Smith, even McCarron. McCarron's a very, a larger body, and I think... I do kind of see where he needs to be in the lineup a bit, but I, I, I'm sorry. You need Tomasino back in. You need Glass in. You need Tolvin in. Like those three alone, you're talking huge up, upside on the offensive side of things. And if you can sure up the defense and some of these people that are supposed to actually step up, be good, like Carrier and Fabro, then you shouldn't have to worry about it as much. But just, I, I don't know. It's been a very frustrating line blender for the last couple of games, just to watch. Looking at Sanford here. So he played in the last season, he played for Ottawa and Winnipeg, played a combined total of 
62 games for Ottawa and 18 games for Winnipeg, played six games for us. And the fact that he's went, you know, since 2019, it was Blues, 21, sorry, 20 Blues, 21 Ottawa, Winnipeg, Preds. That just shows he's just one of these journeymen in HLers that keeps going around. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. But he's not what we need. And I, like you said, Daniel, I don't understand why Hines seems to have these people. We saw it with Laviette, too. Laviette had his players that he wanted in, regardless of how well. And I think it's a, I won't say, I won't go as far as say criminal, but it certainly should be very eyebrow raising when you take players that are well known offensively and you fair them for people that, you know, spends three years on four teams, basically. Just, it just doesn't make sense. Well, as much fun as this talking about the Preds lines and everything, it's getting ready time to close the show down. And so, Matt, as always, do you have any stats for us this season that, you know, we didn't hear about last time? Of course, Kyle. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard about my boy, Eric Carlson, is back in business this year. He currently leads all defensemen in points. And when's the last time he's been in the game? When when did he win the Norris in like 2015, 2016? Back in his Ottawa days. So it's been a few years. I was thinking, you know, after he broke his ankle in the playoffs there, he's been on a trajectory, a career decline after that. So it's really glad – I'm really glad to see him – progressing back to the, his old standard of where he used to be. I'm very glad to see that for him, for him to see, uh, to see him lead uh, the defenseman in that regard. And also, you know, I was talking about Detroit earlier, boys. I don't know if you saw this. I just, I had to do a double take during, during the show here. Detroit currently sits in seventh place in the league above Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way. Yeah. They, uh, Toronto's not happy right now because Austin's not producing right now. Well, he's been kind of snake bitten. You know who's also been snake bitten? Kale McCarr. Uh, one goal so far this year. So just letting you know for all those Kale McCarr people that wouldn't shut up last year because that's all I could hear about, even though you somehow gave him the trophy over Yossi. Um, yeah, I got tired of uh, yeah. Colorado fans last year. So, time. yeah, yeah. That said, your your boy's only got one goal this year. So, I don't want to hear it because you gave him the Norris off of goals last year. And Carlson's actually back and kicking kicking some uh, booty over there. So, good to see. Finally, finally, finally back. I mean, he's been in the dumpster a while. So, you know who else? My favorite guy. We got to talk about him. Old Brad Marchand, baby. He got a penalty shot goal the other night. That is his sixth penalty shot goal in his career. He now ties Mario Lemieux for second place all time in penalty shots. Ties Mario, baby. Get you some. Who's that? Mario or Mario? Either way. Either way. I've heard it both ways. Either way. So Marchand, my man, one of those really oddball stats. He's really up there with the all-time greats, of course. What else would you expect from such a class legend that is Brad Marchand? Um, Also... Sidney Crosby is now the sixth fastest player in NHL history to have 900 points in his career. Just happened a day or two ago. So hats off to Sidney Crosby. Oh, I got a fun stat for Sidney Crosby. Oh, Penguins are having a terrible year. Yes. This is the worst year for Sidney Crosby being on the Penguins since his rookie year with the Penguins. Well, yes, it was, uh, the ship was falling apart in the off season. They were able to keep a lot of the parts in place, but, uh, it is a day of reckoning coming for Pittsburgh and it looks like it's going to be this year, baby. <laughs> so the last one I'll mention is this one hurts. Ovechkin passes, well, first he ties Gordy Howe for most goals all time with one team against Detroit, against Gordy's old team. And then he just passed it yesterday. So 
Ovechkin, number one all-time for goals with one team. I was going to say, where is he at, like, all-time right now? Let's see. He's at 787. He's getting really close to Gordy's record. So, um, some interesting stats, by the way. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Edmonton Oilers have only played 12 games, and Connor McDavid has 12 goals so far. So he's he also, he's, at a, he's at a goal per game pace this year. He also has twenty five points right now. He also had earlier in the season last week. He had more hat tricks in the year than Austin Matthews had goals. So get you some of that. Yeah, it's it's McDavid has started off to a hot pace, um, but you know it's so funny because yet despite that they're still at a point five eight three win percentage because they can't get goaltending down. Have you seen the commercial with him recently? No. He's shooting a puck on the ice. He's practicing, and Gretzky's in the he's in the stands by the uh, by the glass, like he's doing a bet on his phone. And McDavid, you know, these are the two best players ever. They want to get them, want to get us in a commercial. So they've got McDavid taking shots, and eventually Gretzky's like yelling on the on the sideline. So McDavid shoots a puck, flips it, and hits the glass right in front of Gretzky's face, and and he was like, hey, you know. Uh, then Gretzky says, hey, the goal is that way, kid. And then uh, McDavid says, yeah, hey, shouldn't you be on the golf course or something? And that's like – he's trying to be a cute verbal joust, but honestly, McDavid is so dry that it's really not a great commercial. But what are you going to do? He's a really good athlete. He's not a great actor, so whatever. Yeah. Ovi only needs 14 more goals to tie Gordy this year, all time. I think he does it because he's actually been on a pretty good pace to start. So barring no injuries, I think he does pass – Gordy Howe this year for second all-time on that list, and then we'll kind of see if he can uh, chip away towards uh, the great. So we'll see. And so, Daniel, what games we got coming up when we record next? Well, we got two more weeks before we record. So the schedule, uh, we got through some of the rougher games. So tomorrow we do have Seattle, which has been kind of on the rise, and then we also have Colorado uh, this week on the road. We've had a really long road stretch here. It's actually been five road games uh, in a row. Then finally we get a nice homestand with the New York Rangers, Minnesota Wild, and the New York Islanders, followed by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then hopefully by our next recording, it should be against the Arizona Coyotes, who I know are on a ridiculously long road yes. trip because, you know, uh, they kind of have some extenuating circumstances for their home arena. But I want to say there's like 12 or 13 games in a row that they play on the road. Like they're just literally going to be living out of hotels. Desert for, dogs, for, for a full month while they're trying to, you know, like paint their locker room and get them something like usable. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely. Yeah, did you ridiculous. see that picture of the sign put on Twitter of the ASU um, visiting place? It was literally. Like just the a, drop curtains, yeah, drop yeah. curtains and concrete blocks, yeah, like ridiculous. Yeah, they, they it looked like they were setting up for like a banquet, you know, like putting the drop curtains up. I sent it in the group, and I'm just like, this is bizarre um, that we're at this point, but whatever. Um, we'll, we'll see how that all works out, but hopefully by then, Preds rack up a couple more wins, and uh, we're a little bit further out of the dumpster. And guys, that's the show for today. If you like us, you can follow us on YouTube at Music City Gold. You can find us on Twitter at Music City Gold. And you can also find us on Penalty Box Radio as well. Until next time, we will see you guys on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at 
at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.